The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer, today on Squawk Pod. NVIDIA's massive revenue, the AI chip maker tripling since last year, it's what Wall Street is talking about. This is not normal. Venture capitalist Kathy Gao says the bump has hit AI's private market, too. NVIDIA, in many ways, is the bellwether for AI demand, for Gen AI demand in particular. And Republican challenger Nikki Haley with a huge fundraising haul. Teddy Schleifer of Puck explains the GOP's plan for the presidential race. They're not going to talk about herself uh, explicitly as an insurance plan against, you know, a, a Trump legal catastrophe. But donors will. Donors will tell you that privately. Plus, Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Circus returns. Owner Ken Feld on the big top comeback. What we want is people in today's world to have simple fun. We're non-lingual, everybody can enjoy it, and it creates a conversation on the way home. It's Thursday, February 22nd. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand under by in three, two, one, cue Andrew. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan. Becky's out today. Uh, we got so much to discuss, basically, Three hours of NVIDIA, is that pretty much the plan? I think so. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the NVIDIA's fourth quarter earnings call. Q4 was another record quarter. Revenue of $22.1 billion was up 22% sequentially and up 265% year on year. And well above our... So what do you think here? What do you think about this, then, NVIDIA? Is, is this ahead math. of itself I'm, or not ahead of itself? I'm doing the math. Uh, I don't know. I was doing the math. It, it's, it's not quite a 15% gain a day, but I look at NVIDIA. This is a new high, chip maker topping profit and sales uh, expectations. So up almost 100 points, so up another 14%. Uh, percent. So the market cap at the close yesterday was one6 uh, trillion. Remember, it just went over a trillion. So if you add 14%, to 1.68 trillion, you're really not that far from 2 trillion. And it got there really fast. Revenue, uh, this is not normal. Uh, more than $22 billion, a tripling, a tripling of revenue year over year uh, in that quarter. That's a 265% increase on strength of its uh, AI business. And the company then projected better than expected revenue for the current quarter. NVIDIA's gains are lifting uh, all boats today. Taiwan Semi, Supermicro, ASML, uh, Arm Holdings, all trading higher. Our John Fort sat down with NVIDIA CEO Jensen Huang following uh, the company's report. He talked about how enterprise software companies are the ones that are going to drive demand, partially, uh, for NVIDIA's technology. What's going to happen is this. The, the, the world's enterprise software platforms represent approximately a trillion dollars. There are that trillion dollars represent Google's platforms like ServiceNow. It represents data platforms like Snowflake, Dropbox, Box, SAP, Oracle. These application-oriented, tools-oriented platforms and 
data-oriented platforms are all going to be revolutionized with these AI agents that sit on top of it. And the way to think about that is very simple. Whereas these platforms used to be tools that experts would learn to use, in the future, these tools companies will also offer AI agents that you can hire to help you use these tools or to help you reduce the barrier of using these tools. Join us right now for more on the AI ecosystem. Uh, Kathy Gao, partner at Sapphire Ventures, growth stage uh, investor in enterprise tech and AI. Where are we in this? Um, I mean, if we're playing baseball, wh where are we in the cycle? Where are we in the game? Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be here. I think we're still early on in the game. There's obviously a lot of excitement. It was great for me to come on the show right after the blockbuster earnings because NVIDIA in many ways is the bellwether for AI demand, for gen AI demand in particular in this industry. Um, there's going to be a lot of investor appetite and continue to be. But frankly, you know, there will be significant funds to deploy and will be deployed. But based on what we're seeing in the market today, I think it might be prudent to take a measured approach. It's a very, very fast adoption cycle, faster than we've ever seen from any platform shift. And very often, it's not the first or second or even third wave of companies that make it. And I think there is still a lot to be proven, particularly on the B2B application side of things. When you say on the B2B application side of things, so give me some examples of, of how you think that plays out. Yeah, I think, you know, um, there's a couple of things. Right now, a lot of the value in these private companies are accruing to the infrastructure companies, right? These are the companies that are running the foundational models. And these are also some of the companies like NVIDIA, like OpenAI, that are powering all the applications that sit on top of it, as well as all the ML ops companies that sit on top of it. From the application side, right, there are a lot of things that have to be proven out. We're seeing a lot of companies get tremendous growth right off from the start, but they haven't really cracked something that's super important, and that's user retention, right? A lot of these companies are still figuring out their business models, they're still figuring out how to hook users and keep users on the platform. Um, and until we see more stabilization there, I think there's going to be a lot of movement around what companies survive and what companies um, might get acquired. So does this, do you put yourself in, I mean, now to date everybody here, is this 1996, which means there's a, a, still a lot of room to run? Is it 99? I mean, there was, if you remember, back in the day, on the infrastructure side, you could, you could argue an overbuild in the late 90s in, in telecommunications, uh, in some of the different tech, tech hardware platforms at the time, and then, of course, all the software, websites, and other things that were being built upon it. But, of course, 20 years later, you'd look back and say, yeah, uh, that all happened, but look where we are today. So how do you see that? That's such a great question, Andrew, because the compression, right? If we think back to the dot-com era, there was a great run-up in investment between uh, 1996 and 1999. What I would argue is those three years have now been compressed down. Let's just take ChatGPT, right? It took ChatGPT two months to reach 100 million users. That's just staggering. So we're still early on, but it could be 1998 versus 1996, in my opinion. If you could invest in this space right now, would you stick with an NVIDIA um, just because there's so much demand and that demand is going to persist? Or do you say 
values moving? I mean, every time people have said there's an overvalued company, they've been wrong. Or do you say that there's other places that you can play in where, that are, I don't know if they're value plays, but you know, that, where, where, where the market hasn't fully recognized where the opportunity is? Well, I'm a private investor. I would say, you know, for institutional investors and retail investors out there, NVIDIA does feel like a safe place to place your money right now. However, if you're looking into the private markets, I think there's a lot of opportunity to invest in really exciting companies. Again, proceed with caution. But on the private market side, you're getting this interesting dynamic because when you're investing in private companies, from a venture capital perspective, you are buying preferred shares, right? So these are shares that um, get paid out first. And you're getting this interesting dynamic where your downside risk might be to get your money back. So your downside risk is a 1x times your money, but the upside risk is potentially 10x or way more. So it all really depends on your risk tolerance. Okay, Kathy, uh, it's great to see you this morning. We appreciate you joining us uh, as we're trying to make sense of these numbers and where all of this goes next. Thank you. Thank you so much. OpenAI's CEO Sam Altman wants to set the record straight. He's disputing claims that he's seeking $7 trillion for chip development. Speaking with Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger last night, Altman said, quote, don't pay too much attention to reports on his funding, though he added that the numbers will be big. He also said if he had to sit and correct every mistake and report in the media, he wouldn't be able to do his job. So perhaps uh, some of the numbers that started with a T were a little bit much, but... Um, I would we still say watch this space because I think that uh, he's, uh, he's going to be in the chip business. We try to pitch point. in there, you know, with the mistakes. I mean, we're, you know, we do our part when we do for we yourself. <laughs> Next on Squawk Pod, Nikki Haley's not backing down. She's still in the race for president and so is incumbent President Joe Biden. Puck's Teddy Schleifer shares his reporting. The time for Democratic Party elders to discuss whether or not Joe Biden was the best nominee was in 2022. How much is set in stone in February of 2024? I think there's a very, very, very low chance that there is, you know, a bait and switch that happens. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Today with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Stand by, Joe. Is Mike here? Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan along with uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin. Thank God we didn't buy that jet. You know what I mean? Uh, because they're looking at, at private jets, too. I didn't buy it with you. No, we didn't. Yeah. 
Thank God. Thank God. So you might have, I don't know why I you went did, in with another group. You did. Yeah. In a, okay. No, you, I well, didn't. You, I, thank God we didn't, right? Like we were, like we were close. We were uh, close. Yeah. Nikki Haley is, says she's staying in the 2024 race despite trailing uh, former President Trump. And this is fueled by a $16.5 million fundraising haul in January from some big donors. Joining us now is Puck's uh, Teddy Schleifer. And I understand, and I, I, Teddy, I see, I read the Wall Street Journal op-ed pages. Uh, there were, and she points out, uh, Governor Haley points out that, what, there were 15 people at the beginning of this all uh, announcing to, to try and get the GOP nomination. Now there's one. Now there's one. And I don't know how many potential legal issues are remaining and how that plays out for Trump. But if you're the last person standing, you might as well stay in. Especially, and I think that's what donors are thinking, too. It's that simple. Sure. I mean, the Haley campaign uh, over the last few days has been really stressing that they do not see the South Carolina primary this weekend as the be-all, end-all event for Nikki Haley's campaign. Obviously, they're going to say that, and they're not going to talk about herself uh, explicitly as an insurance plan against, uh, you know, a, a Trump legal catastrophe. But donors will. Donors will tell you that privately, that the, the Haley bet at this point in the cycle is not all about her winning the election or winning the primary through normal means. That a lot of this has to do with the belief that who yeah. knows what's going to happen in, an in, a, in a trial in May or June or July. And wouldn't you rather be the person who's still running for president of the United States than not? Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of, I don't know, a lot of side benefits that go along with that. Uh, people are going to follow you around. You're going to be very important. I understand that. But the numbers don't lie. And we know what's happening probably in South Carolina. The, sure. the crazy thing, Teddy, is that in this surreal, bizarro world we're living in, we, we've got a crazy similar narrative on the other side because yesterday we had a guy come on who actually said Gavin Newsom is not liberal and in fact he's doing a great job on homelessness and crime in California. I still see articles that Michelle O definitely waiting in the wings. So both sides are doing CYA because the nominees, the presumptive nominees are so unpalatable to most Americans. It's bizarre. I think what's different is the Republican donor world is actively preparing for a possibility that uh, Donald Trump is not, is not the Republican nominee. In the Democratic donor world, that is not the case. I think there's lots of wish casting. I think there's lots of major givers who, you know, acknowledge in private moments that Joe Biden has, you know, an age problem, obviously, and that Joe Biden may not be the strongest Democratic nominee. But I have but not he's, detected. He's it. You think he's it? Yeah, yes. I'm not convinced. Yes. I'm not convinced. Yes. There could be. We've had. I, I mean, I don't know. The, the same type of, of uh, legal catastrophe you talk about on, on, on the Trump side. We'll see how the State of the Union goes. We'll see what, what, what he can muster. Maybe they'll mainline some Prevagen or, or, or some. I don't know how they're going to do it. But, but people in the know, they know in their heart of hearts, they like to hold on to power, but they know that this guy should not probably be the nominee. Maybe, but I think that you know, the Democratic Party uh, donor and uh, establishment, broadly, establishment more broadly is pot committed at this point. You know, the, the, the time for Democratic uh, Party elders to discuss whether or not Joe Biden was the best nominee was in 2022. It was in maybe right. early 2023. It, it is February 2024. 
The Democratic uh, convention is in a few months. Um, I do not think that there is any well, uh, um, serious a, effort being made. That's a sad state of affairs. Because two years from now, wait, two years to, from now, I mean, th you've seen what's happened in the last two years. You see the video of Joe, Joe Biden from two years ago. You see him now. We're talking about five years from Joe, now. Here's five years from now. Joe, I'm not going to disagree that's with you. That's a 25th. I'm not going to disagree with you about the age issue. Right. What I don't understand well, you always is, come up with that. No, I but I don't. But what the end I, of I democracy versus age. I don't disagree with you. But what I don't understand, though, is... And, and Teddy said, look, in 2022, the elders of the, of the Democratic Party should have, should have right. or that was the time for them to make a choice but or more not. and more but are doing on. it now. What about the elders of the Republican Party? They're on board because of the and, base. And, you can't win and, without 35%. And my question to you is, given the, given the fact that this man is on trial around the country, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Do you think that the trial? You think the trial? You have it so really empirically correct. It's so empirically obvious, but obviously I'm wrong. I mean, I'm wrong in that there's people who you haven't figured out that the agree. trial in New York, what a sham! The, the way this came out and turned out, who was damaged for the 355 million? Does the trial in Georgia seem to be going well for you? You can't see how someone would come to the conclusion that none of these things. Are, and that they're, they're all orchestrated and trying to take down the leading nominee. You can't see you, how people would think that. You, so 40 percent of the see, country, 40 percent of the country doesn't understand that Andrew January knows. 6th? Did you see January 6th? Wait, did you, do you have, uh, you, have uh, you're saying, you mean the, the insurrection where people were home for dinner? Isn't it usually preceded by armed? Isn't that normally what it, you really believe that that was going to be an overthrow of the U.S. government? Teddy, we're, we, we're, you're here. You're listening. Um, go ahead. You can comment on, on all these. What do you think? This, wait, is, this, is, our, this is our life. Sure. Home for I mean, dinner, I, most of I mean, look, the, 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 uh, I can just kind of tell you what I'm hearing from my reporting, which, you know, when, when you kind of talk with people um, who are, you know, Democratic major donors, they're, they're, not, they're not blind either. They, they know that Joe Biden uh, has, a, has a problem on his hands. You know, you ask them, you know, what will you do about it? And, and you know, these are some of the smartest, wealthiest people, you know, who run Squawk all the time. And, and I haven't really heard a, a clear, convincing answer. You know, the age problem um, that, that Biden has uh, is often met with, with whataboutism, right? What about Trump's age? Well, well, uh, we what about saw. Trump's legal problems? Right. Right. Uh, um, and none of those answers are, are solutions for, you know, the fact that and, Joe and Biden then, is as old as he is. And, and, and Kamala uh, Harris is waiting in the wings, with, with the most unpopular uh, vice president in history. Probably. Sure, it's un unclear who the replacement would be, and from a, and from, a, from also from a donor perspective, um, it, it, the Democratic Party is going to have tons of money. You know, what, the, Joe Biden is doing very well in fundraising so far. Maybe he's not doing as well as Obama was, but he's doing well. There's obviously lots of anti-Trump energy, lots of anti-Trump money that is going to flow into Democratic super PACs. Um, none of which um, it can really necessarily affect. You know, the, the, the fact that Joe Biden, what, you know, would be the oldest president in the United States history. And, you know, you can maybe uh, put up some TikToks or some memes that make him seem young and cool and hip. Um, but th this is a, you know, uh, this is a law of nature that, that Biden is as old as he is. And um, it is unclear so, Teddy, from an advertising perspective what you can do about it. And it's not is just it, age either. Warren so, Buffett's fine at 94. But this, some people are gone at 75, Teddy. And, you know, this guy... So, Teddy, then the question becomes, do you see a moment? I mean, I know you said 2022 was the time for the, the, the elder statesmen in the, in the party. I don't know if elder may be the wrong word to use in this case, but the, <laughs> yeah, right. the, whomever they are, uh, to, to, have make a to have made a change. Do you see a possibility that anything happens potentially this summer at all? 
I, 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 I do not at this point. Um, I, I think that the, the party is, is pot committed. Um, I think that, you know, whether, whether, you know, media elites, you know, I know Ezra Klein or, or Nate Silver have been talking about the yeah. idea that Biden may not be the strongest Democratic nominee. Whether media elites may say that, like, the, the Democratic establishment is not objective on this point. You know, they, they are they're they're, the only person who can make a decision about that would be Joe Biden. Uh, to, for Biden to essentially step down. And obviously, it's not in his self-interest to do that. So I, do, I, I don't really think that there is a, you know, political science experiment or, or, or a rational conversation happening within uh, the Democratic Party elderly establishment about this question. It's really a question for Joe Biden, um, who has, you know, at this point, uh, little reason to think that he can't beat Trump again after beating him four years ago. You know, there's obviously an arrogance and, and ego that comes with being president of the United States. And I don't necessarily think that... Um, they're, they're going to be, you know, drawing up uh, plays that what if it's Gavin Newsom or Gretchen Whitmer or whomever. Um, at the end of the day, he's the Democratic president. He's the incumbent uh, resident of the White House. And, you know, I think there's a very, very, very low chance that there is, you know, a bait and switch that happens. Yeah, yeah you keep hearing that the, the, the party that boots the presumptive nominee first will be the one that wins. You've heard that, uh, that bandied about as well. Right, Teddy. So I get maybe Nikki Haley is the person that said I don't know, but um, time time passes. We'll see what it looks like uh, by the time November. Teddy Schleifer, thank you, sir, for weighing in and joining our Join, debate. Joining the fray. Joining the fray. Come on in. Is that a debate? There's a debate. It's not really a debate. The countries have the countries having that debate. Cheese will be next. Coming up. It's an astonishing show for the whole family. Squawk Box, of course, but also the real circus. Clowns are okay, aren't they? Humor is good. No clowns? No, they are comedians. They are funny people. Oh my God, are clowns canceled? Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey is back in Brooklyn. Ken Feld, the CEO of Owner Feld Entertainment, says it's better than ever and animal-free. You could do dogs, couldn't you? Dogs are happy to be doing those tricks. Or... We, we do have a dog. We have a robotic dog. Our circus and that circus are back after this break. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at... <laughs> 3 a.m. The office was shocked. (laughs) That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. You're listening to Squawk Pod. And then there's this. I know. Over to you. I, I know. They always look happy. To me. I like these cars. The Rivian, they look like Thomas the Tank Engine, and they don't look like, you know, who was mad? Some of the, the, those characters in Thomas were mad, but Rivian shares always look happy, but maybe not uh, this morning. Uh, and the, the Rivian the, cars uh, look happy. The shareholders don't. Yeah, the, the shareholders are not happy, but the cars are happy. They're driving around and smiling at each other. The EV maker laying off 10% of its salaried workforce, saying new truck and SUV output will be flat this year. A Rivian CEO blaming challenging macroeconomic conditions and higher interest rates, making monthly vehicle payments uh, more expensive. You know, you, you better, 
people are still worried. I was listening, who was it talking yesterday, uh, uh, later in, in the day? It was Leslie or something. You know, people do think about renting a, 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 an EV. Yep. But usually there's anxiety. There's anxiety because, about that because you don't know exactly where you're going to have to stop and how long On the it's rental. On the rental. Yeah, I'm not sure. In general. Well, well, when you buy one, you have the same type of anxiety. You don't always be. No. Then, what, then you think it's really macroeconomic. That's what it, you don't think. After what we've seen in EVs for the past year, you don't think this just has to do with the general slow-moving transformation. Yeah, I know, but the transformation to EV is not going smoothly right now. And, and 100% for, agree with for you. For Rivian to. 100% agree with you. I, I do think the idea that EVs were going to be a major part of the rental fleets oh, that's, early on that was, wrong. was going to be a tough one right. because the, the magic of an EV is that you put it in your garage, you have the charger in your garage, you're hardly ever charging it at a, at a station somewhere. Well, not only that, but, but if you you're renting your, it, by default, you're having to use public, you're having to use the public infrastructure. You got your solar panels on your roof charging the EV maker in your garage and also your generator in case the power goes out. So you just, you're green everywhere. And your neighbors are all saying, what a great person that, that individual is for living like that, right? No. I think, I would be saying that, what a, what a I, virtuous. No, you, you would not, you would not. <laughs> what a virtuous, just virtuous. Just with your sarcasm. That's right, someone didn't like my sarcasm. Dripping. Yeah, it's the, it's the domain of losers. I try not to do it. I try not to do it. Sarcasm is, it. I want to be a winner. Good luck. <laughs> I'm losing. You won't be seeing elephants, tigers, or lions, but after a seven-year break, Feld Entertainment is back and betting on a reimagined version of the Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey Circus. Uh, joining us right now is Kenneth Feld. He's the CEO of Feld Entertainment. Good morning to you. Good morning. So thank, I grew up thank on you the for circus. I did. And, <laughs> I, and I, I, it's politically incorrect to say, but I enjoyed the elephants a lot as a child. I just want to say animals, it right? out loud and proud. So what are you doing now? What we're doing, we're, we've relaunched Ringling Brothers Barnum Bailey, and we are opening in Brooklyn tonight at, at Barclays. And the show is completely different. It is reimagined for audiences today and tomorrow. What does that mean? It means that the scale is larger than ever. And when you go in and you look at what we have, it's different. So you're not going to go in and think it, a preconceived idea. It's so different, and <clears throat> it's really like the ultimate playground. And we have performers, 75 performers from 18 different countries, and what they're doing is extraordinary. And what we want is people in today's world to have simple fun, and that's what this is. It's, it's, we're non-lingual, everybody can enjoy it, and it creates a conversation on the way home. And that's the beauty of it, and the new Ringling the pace is great, the acts are extraordinary, the performers, and it's something that is inspiring, I think, for young kids that people can do all this stuff, and it's amazing, and it gives them hope. So this is more, how much more of this is now, this is more human stunt-based than anything else? Is that a fair, fair thing to say? You probably it's don't like that stuff, to say but that. But it's in more the than just the that. It's the, it's the sense of humor. It's, it's the feeling, it's an excitement, and it doesn't exist anyplace else. That's the key, that it's unique. When you go into Ringling, you can't, there's nothing else like it. 
And that's true today in this reimagined thing. And the way we've done it, people are excited. I mean, we've, you know, since the beginning of the year, we've played not just with Ringling, but all of our stuff. People want to go out. It's between 500,000 and over a million people every single week since the beginning of the year. Clowns are okay, aren't they? Humor is good. No clowns? No, they are comedians. They are funny people. Oh my doing God, funny are clowns things. canceled? Why did clowns get canceled? Because of John no, Wayne because they don't want to scare people with white, crazy makeup and oh red noses God. and things like How? that. So, and then I was thinking you could do dogs. Couldn't you? Dogs are happy to be doing those tricks. Or we, we do have a dog. We have a robotic dog. Well, then and just yeah. Andrew can put on, a, put on one of those Apple things and just look at all. Can I ask about the economics know? of this business? Because I'm fascinated by trying to, to put up a whole new production like this. And, you know, wh where you find these performers from, uh, how much you have to ultimately pay them. Uh, the costs of some of these arenas have gone up astronomically. That's right. Since you, since, since you last were doing this. I assume you're competing for talent and other things like that with the Cirque du Soleil's of the world. How, did, how does the business of this all work? Okay, the business is we are in the entertainment business. So we have Disney on Ice. We have Jurassic World Live Tour, which is right. your company. We have Monster Jam. We have Ringling Brothers, Barnum & Bailey. We have Supercross. So, we are in every venue across, and we play in 80 countries. So we're around the world, we're in all these venues, stadiums, arenas, and we plan ahead. So we're family business, we're looking five and 10 years ahead and we're booking venues that far in advance. And if you think of the concerts that go out today, they're booking a year or two and then they won't go out for three years, it's different things. The venues can count on us to be there, and it's typically the same time every year because people have habits of when they want to go. And that's what we do, and we're used to touring large entertainment right. that's unique. How elastic is the price these days? It feels like, I mean, in, in the in sort of post-COVID world, there was sort of a YOLO effect, and I imagine there was, I mean, I don't, and are there, there's now premium tier, premium tier ticket pricing and things like that. There wasn't, I imagine. There is dynamic pricing. And that is great because what happens is you can have a $150 VIP experience or you can go and see Ringling Brothers Barnabelli for $20. And our key is we want all families everywhere. We bring the entertainment to your town. Right. And that's really what is the, the key of, of, of all of we the do. things you're doing currently. What's most popular? Well, what? Ringling is popular. But is there Monster one that just sells out like it's just like the thing right now? No, everything, I mean, post-COVID, everything was off the charts. Last year was the biggest year we had. This year is comparable to it. And people want to go out. And I, I think they want to go and experience something live. It's tactile. You right. can see it. And the memories you have from a live experience last a lot longer than the memories you have from a movie. You going to tell your joke? Please. You got to tell you, Jack, because it was Toby Tyler. Remember Toby Tyler? Ten weeks with the circus. Great Disney film. The little orphan runs and joins the circus. What did you tell me when you were a kid? When I was a kid, I wanted to run away and join a home. 
Yeah, okay. that's a good one. I guess that's why the, I'm not in the, the lady com with comedy the, business. The lady with the big moose horns is gone. You can't do any of stuff like that or any. No, it's fun. It's fun. You don't have any freaks <clears throat> and geeks left. Excuse me? You don't have any crazy, like, you know, remember? Circuses used to be we have things that people want to see today. They don't American even know horse. they want to see it. And, it, and it's, <laughs> it's way it's too woke, Ken. Yeah. It's too woke. Come on. You know what? It's a lot easier than transporting those animals around on a train, right? Wasn't that a, uh, that was a well, logistical and, and nightmare. The train, we had the longest, a mile-long train for each show. And right. so that's, uh, you talk about and The economics. margins gotten better as a result of not having to have the animals? They had to have. Um, you know, we just opened six months ago with this, right, we'll see. and um, we created it knowing what the business model that yeah. we had. And the great thing is, people are coming. Right. They're coming in greater right. numbers than ever. But tell us we got to go. But, but yeah. they, Dumbo got canceled. So anyway, thank yeah. you. Thank uh, you. Dick thank Kenfeld. you. We got to update everything, Andrew. That's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for joining our circus. We're here every day bringing you the best of a three-hour morning TV show in an easy-to-listen-to podcast. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern and follow Squawk Pod wherever you listen. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 